0: Thanks for joining us at Truth Matters Church. In today's study, we begin our look at the four horsemen and the first seal, as described in Revelation chapter 6. We split this message into two parts. This is the first half where Pastor Alex outlines the importance of Daniel's visions in properly understanding this passage. For best context, we recommend downloading the attached PDF on Sermon Audio or watching the video with slides. Here is Pastor Alex Kataroja.
1: We are continuing our study in the book of Revelation, and we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 6. And the title of our study today, which is going to be the major themes that we will be covering in these next couple of verses, is the four horsemen and the first seal. And I'd like to continue to layer in Daniel into our study I said this last week, without Daniel's vision, I and mean you can use all of Scripture, but Daniel in particular, he, out of all the prophets, was given the greatest insight concerning the end times. So, revelation being a prophecy concerning the end, it is imperative for us to make sure that we consider Daniel's vision into the study. And this slide here that we went over last time was my best attempt to try to communicate and display this magnificent prophecy that Daniel was given. And many of us have heard of this prophecy. It's the 70 weeks prophecy. And the short of it is Daniel's 70 week prophecy. It began at the issuing of a decree And what we've learned and what I've argued is that Daniel's 70 week uh, started there, and it's going to take us to the very end, the end of the age, before the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what I did was I tried to highlight our guesstimate on when that decree was issued and when the clock started on this prophecy, and where we landed was around 454 B.C., From that point to the future, using Daniel's vision and then using principles in Scripture, how God calculates the length of discipline concerning his people. And what we considered in this timeline is this day-for-a-year punishment. So, for example, when the people of Israel were in the wilderness wanderings for 40 years, that was a punishment because for 40 days... Since the time they left Egypt, they grumbled against God and against Moses. So in punishment for their disobedience, God said, okay, for 40 days you've rebelled against me. So for 40 years you're going to wander in the wilderness until you die out and you're not going to be allowed to enter into the promised land. We took that principle in our calculation of Daniel's prophecy. I'm not going to get into it. You can re-listen to that on your own time. But we had some fun with it. We said, okay, well, if that decree date at around four fifty-four BC is around the starting point of this prophecy, we can take a guess on when the world is gonna end. (laughs) And I put a big disclaimer here, I'm not claiming to be any prophet or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know what? God is detail oriented. He is not only sovereign in heaven, but he is sovereign over all beings. I know it's hard for us to comprehend these things because they're still good and evil. I know it's hard for us to comprehend because sometimes we can't see God in it. But we know by the truth revealed in Scripture is that God the Father is on the throne and He has granted all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth to His one and only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Which means... God had a plan on creating, and God had a plan for when the time will end. It should be no surprise that even our life, you know, God has determined our days. Yeah, our choices matter, our environment, our circumstances all come into play. But ultimately, how long we live is determined by our Creator. So it should, be, should it be no surprise then if God even ordered and ordained our days, that he ordered and ordained how long creation is going to exist? And may I suggest to us that that's part of the treasures that are in his word. So this 70-week prophecy, this was the, what do you call it, the main event, or I guess the, the ending of our Daniel series. And where we landed was somewhere not very far it all depends on if, how accurate is that date. But the final period of the indignation concerning the people in the land of Israel may not be too far from us. But you can look at this kind of timeline at your own leisure. Oh, uh, another thing to remind us, so this is more of like our kind of, we kind of got a blank paper and say, you know, forget what is out there and being circulated. Let's just go to the scripture and then just kind of, okay, write it down based on us doing our due diligence. And where did we land? And this is kind of the the best that at least we can come up with up to that point. But what I want us to focus on is because when we're going to now open up the first seal of this vision, it brings us right there. So I'm going to argue before us that this first seal in prophecy has not been fulfilled yet. And I'll show you when we get there at the very end. Why that can't be. And what I want to do now is, because we're opening up this book, where does that fall in Daniel's panoramic 70-week prophecy? It takes us towards the final period of the end. So this breaking of the first seal takes us towards the end of human history. And I want to go ahead and take that last part. Here's the tail end of this magnificent prophecy. When this first seal is broken when we take our learnings from Daniel, sometime after this seal is broken, a king will arise. Is going to wage war and destroy Jerusalem and its sanctuary. And then that is the beginning of this final period of the indignation. And as a reminder for us, all that is happening in the world right now, the crazy, everything that's happening are, you can say, dominoes as part of God's plan but the epicenter of God's redemptive will and plan is concerning the people and the land of Israel, which now also includes the church. Jerusalem, the holy land that God identified with his own name and his own authority. We can even say Christianity started there, and Christianity is going to culminate there. So this final period of this indignation that is spoken of by the prophets is going to be the final period of their punishment for their rebellion. You remember when they uttered the words, when they urged for Pilate to crucify our Lord, and Pilate said, Why? What wrong has he done? He's found nothing wrong with him. And then what did the people of Israel utter? He said, Let his blood be on our heads and the heads of our children. So their rebellion culminated even there to killing their promised Messiah. And their punishment continued from there when they were ravaged in 70 A.D. by the Romans and then ultimately taken out. But then, not so long ago in our history, they were reborn as a nation again in 1948. And they're now back in the land, albeit not all of it quite yet. There's still some in dispute. But the point is, they're still in this stubborn and rebellious heart so god is still punishing them and hardening their hearts because they were given a spirit of stupor as the apostle paul says but if you read romans 11 the time is going to come because their hardness of heart has opened up and brought the gospel to us but the time will come and paul calls the fullness of the gentiles i want to give some brownie points what does that mean the fullness of the gentiles does anyone know I'll give us a hint. It has to do with Jerusalem's desolation. When the fullness of the nation comes and wipes out Israel, then the tides will turn. And that's when we're going to be introduced to 144,000 sealed Jews, 12,000 from every tribe. But there's a lot that's going to happen in this final period of the indignation. And the starting point, it's kind of the beginning of the end. So They will continue to be punished but then their punishment will come to an end and then Christ himself will atone for their sins. When do you think he will atone for their sins? Want to take a guess? On the day of atonement. Even the biblical feasts are markers in our God's prophetic timetable. Christ, our Passover lamb, was crucified and slain on Passover which was one of their feasts, Nisan 14. And you know the feast of unleavened bread. Of course, we know that he is the living bread that came down of heaven that may, that man may eat of and not die. And that even on the feast of first fruits was when he went to present himself back to his father in heaven. Do you remember? Do you remember the story? Look, we're we're coming upon Easter when Christ uh, was a Mary found him or thinking he was the gardener, and when she learned or when he said her name and realized that that was Christ. She hugged him, and what was his words? He says, "Don't cling to me, because I need to go to my my father and your father, my God and your God. But go and tell the apostles and Peter." That was on the feast of first fruits, and Christ is saying, "I need to go before my father and present myself as the feast of first fruits." So he went to heaven that resurrection morning, and he came back down and then appeared. To his disciples, So even the feasts that were given to the people of Israel to observe as a perpetual reminder even finds its fulfillment, not only on the first coming of our, of our Savior, but also of his second. So continuing here, this is the tail end of Daniel's 70-week prophecy, and now it's going to get a little more busy here. So beginning of that first seal, all this is going to happen. Beginning with the first seal, the first four seals, we're going to look at that first one today, but John sees in vision four riders or four horsemen riding on horses. And that happened in the breaking of each of the first four seals. And you'll see here, I'm connecting that first seal, the rider and the white horse, as the beginning of Israel's destruction. And then from Daniel's study... When he, saw his, when he saw four great beasts rising up out of the great sea, what we were able to connect is that when Daniel said that he saw the four winds stirring up the great sea, and what we're learning in Revelation 4 and 5 when we were taken into the throne room of heaven, that there were four living creatures who stood before the throne. And it was these four living creatures that are conjuring up these four riders on the four horses. So I was connecting the four winds that Daniel saw stirring up the great sea with now these four riders on horses that are now going to continue in their activity. So that in Daniel's four beasts vision in that study the angel gave him the interpretation of those beasts. He said that these four beasts that you saw are four kings or four meleks. So there's going to be four kings in succession that will follow this first king. And then after the fourth king arrives on the scene, the angel told Daniel, after that fourth king with iron teeth, then he saw, he said it will become a kingdom, a beast with ten kings or consisting of ten kings that will be the most powerful kingdom that this world has ever seen. And it is from that 10 king or 10 beast kingdom where ultimately this figure, this little horn, will arise on the scene and claim to be God himself. So we'll we'll continue to allow that narrative to unfold. But this is pretty much the tail end of Daniel's prophecy. And we're we're opening now, or we're going to try to open that first seal But when you study the book of Revelation, when the seven seals are broken, they're broken in succession. And sometimes there's time markers in between. And when the scripture gives us a time marker, I'll make sure to call that out. And I will do that even today. But when that seventh seal is broken, then seven angels were given seven trumpets. And then there is the seven trumpets. And then when the seventh trumpet is blown, then seven angels are given seven bowls and they begin to pour these bold judgments upon the earth. But after all this, when the final, of the, the final period of the indignation has been completed, meaning when God is done punishing his people for their disobedience and their stubbornness, then Christ will come. And then that's where we get into the messianic kingdom. I know this is, this is busy, but this is kind of keeping us in mind. And I want to make a conjecture here. How many of us have heard of Daniel's seventy week, 70th week prophecy? Just, or the 70th week? How many of us heard of the 70th week? You know what's the most common interpretation out there? Is that the 70th week of Daniel represents the last seven years in human history. And it's also often called a seven-year tribulation period. So here's a, here's a chart that kind of communicates. Now this isn't an all-encompassing, and there's a lot of even d- different variations. But to kind of give you an idea... Here's a chart of a lot of common teaching that communicates a lot of common teachings out there. And it goes something like this. So Daniel's 69 weeks of prophecy, which was, which was groups of 7 weeks and 62 weeks, 69 weeks or 483 years, have been fulfilled when Christ was cut off. And then there's teaching out there that says, oh, see this middle? It's undetermined amount of years. It's just kind of floating in abeyance. But once you get to the 70th week, which is the last seven years of human history, then you can break up that week by three and a half, three and a half. And this seven-year tribulation is where there will be a covenant that Israel will enter. But in the middle of that covenant, Antichrist will renegade on that covenant. And then that brings in this abomination of desolation and what we also heard as the Great Tribulation. But this is one chart. This is common. This is what's out there. And this is another chart that kind of shows this, what I, what, that's the other chart. So you can kind of look at it like there's these blocks of Daniel's prophecy, and then there's this gap, and then there's this one week. So they don't count this as part of Daniel's 70 week. And I, I, I just showed you in the, that first chart or the, the first uh, timeline. No, I'm counting that middle. God counted that middle. And I considered the day-for-a-year principle. Meaning, Daniel's 70 week, beginning of the decree, it goes all the way until the end. But we know it wasn't straight 490 years from the time that the prophecy was given when their punishment ended. It got pushed out because God is prolonging their punishment. And I'm using the principles in Scripture to help with that calculation. But this is what's common. This is what's out there. And some of us might have you know, been taught this or... Or you know even continue to uh, support here here, I want to make a couple of comments on those on those charts. It is presumed that daniel 's seventy weeks equals the last seven years of human history that 's a presumption. It is further presumed that Antichrist will make a seven year covenant with Israel, and in the middle of that seven year covenant at the three and a half year mark, renegade on that covenant and turn against is- Israel. And of course, as I mentioned, some of us, or there's some teaching that hold that the abomination will occur at the three and a half year mark, meaning at, at the last three and a half years of history, that's when all hell breaks loose, so to speak. And then that's when this great tribulation um, will come to pass. And of course, what I, what do I, what's our practice? Instead of me just telling you an opinion on why I might disagree, I'm going to show you through Scripture why I disagree with that teachings and to show that these presumptions are not true. And I'm going to begin, I'm going to use John's own vision. So you guys ready? And I'm going to stick to the seven trumpets, okay? When the fifth trumpet is blown, John writes, then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth and the key of the bottomless pit, pit was given to him and he opened the bottomless pit And smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth and power given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth nor any green thing nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. The appearance of the locusts was like, like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. I know this is a bizarre vision and prophecy, and we will walk through this when we get to this fifth trumpet, but what I tried to call out here, there's a time marker. This fifth trumpet is gonna be at least five months long, okay? When you get to the sixth trumpet and the two witnesses of God arrive on the scene, let's pick it up in chapter 11, verse one. Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff and someone said, get up and measure the temple and the altar and those who worship in it. Leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations. This is the, full, the, the fullness of the Gentiles. And they will tread under the, underfoot the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. Clothed in sackcloth, and these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. What I want to call out from this sixth trumpet is the career of the two, and a half, the two witnesses. Their, their career, their ministry is going to be three and a half years long. So we have five months and three and a half years. Then at the conclusion of that, we get to the seventh trumpet. And we get the beast from the sea that John sees in this vision. Let's pick it up there, Uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and his great and great authority and i saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and follow after the beast they worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like the beast and who was able to wage war with him there was given him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months, which is three and a half years. We're going we're, we're to walk through this, but this is the little horn. This is the, this is the person, the figure that the prophet spoke of, that Paul spoke of, that is going to exalt himself over everything that's called God and he's going to declare to be worshiped. That's going to happen when we get to this seventh trumpet is blown. He's going to be given authority by Satan himself. But here, look what I called out. 42 months. So we have, here, I did it for us. We have five months plus three and a half years plus three and a half years. Right there, between the fifth and the seventh trumpet alone, there's seven years and five months. Kind of throws your seven-year graph off, doesn't it? That's just the fifth and the seventh trumpet alone is already seven years and five months long, minimally. So here's my case in point. That alone, by just looking at the fifth through the seventh trumpet, it refutes this idea or this notion that Daniel's 70 weeks is the last seven years of human history. That already refutes it by just looking at the fifth through the seventh trumpet. That's seven years plus. And that also refutes that the, seven years of, the last seven years of human history is called the tribulation or the great tribulation. Wait, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I wish it was that simple. I wish that the 70th week was just the last seven years of history. It's not that simple. And we're doing our best and doing our diligence to try to get this right. And I want to make one comment here. So when's the great tribulation? And I want to qualify this. Jerusalem's tribulation. There's different tribulations spoken of in Scripture for different groups of people. There's the Great Tribulation attributed to Jerusalem's tribulation. There's the Church Tribulation that they've been undergone, been undergoing even at the time of Nero and the Roman emperors where Christians were killed and martyred for the faith and burned at stakes to light up the street at night. That's a tribulation. And then there's also this global tribulation, cataclysmic tribulation. There are di- different types of trib- tribulation that impacts or implicates different groups. So when I'm saying, when's the great tribulation, I'm speaking of Jerusalem's tribulation. When is that? And I'm going to show us really quick. It falls right around the fifth seal. Let me show you why. When the fifth seal was broken, John wrote, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal... He goes, I saw underneath the altar souls who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out in a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell the earth? By the time the fifth seal was broken, it's broken, he sees souls under the altar. And then when you get to the sixth seal, when John was asked by one of the elders, "Who are they?" Right, we'll pick it up in verse. Uh, we'll pick it up here in verse thirteen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, "These who are clothed in white robes, who are they, and where have they come from?" And I said to him, "My Lord, you know." And he said to me, "These are the ones that come out of the great tribulation." So they came out by this time in the sixth seal. So that places Jerusalem's tribulation. Right around the fifth seal. So case in point. So contrary to much teaching, the great tribulation or Jerusalem's tribulation, it doesn't occur at the midpoint of the final seven years of human history. And we're going to talk more. And there's, there's, there's some confusion here. Because when Daniel was given this 70 weeks prophecy, and it was delivered to him by the angel Gabriel, And he was even given the interpretation when there was a mention of in in the of a one week that Israel is going to and there's going to be this covenant involving Israel and then this person this figure is going to renegade on that covenant right in the middle and that's in this seven year period. There's there's confusion. They're saying, well, that's the 70th week, that one week. It didn't say that that's the 70th week. It just says one week. So we have to consider that, that it, there will be a seven-year period by which this covenant will be enacted, and in the middle of that covenant, this one person is going to turn against the covenant and turn against Israel. But that's not necessarily the last seven years of human history. It's just in this seven-year period, and we'll see where that lands. I'm still working through where that falls when it comes to the seals, the trumpets, and the bulls. Are you guys staying with me? I know this is... This, this is advanced, guys. Yeah, and we'll, we'll save the questions for the end. This is an advanced study. And it took us almost, we're going what, over a year and a half, approaching two years, to get to this. And I wouldn't even come up here and say what I'm saying had I not pretty much studied nothing but Daniel and Revelation for almost the last, pu- last couple of years. That's pretty much it. I do miss the other books, actually. I do. Because I want to talk about real-life stuff but we're studying revelation you know revelation you know for us it's usually just in the back of the bible you don't touch it it's something it's like a an aged bottle of wine or something that you only crack open on special occasions right and we're there and we've we've been parked here for almost a couple years so i know this is a lot but just try to stay with me that leads us to the summary we're finally going to open the book the setting of Daniel's four beasts vision it takes us to the Mediterranean Sea and its surrounding countries. How did we land to the Mediterranean? The Great Sea, the Rab Yam, literally in the Aramaic was speaking about the Mediterranean Sea. So when Daniel saw four winds stirring up the Great Sea from the Rab Yam, it's quite literally the Mediterranean Sea and by implication the nations that surround the Mediterranean. So we're looking at parts of Europe, Greece, even the Middle East and parts of North Africa, including Egypt. But the vision took us there. So that's where the setting of this prophecy takes us. And then as I've argued, the four winds in Daniel's visions, uh, in Daniel's four beast vision could very well be the four living creatures summoning the four horsemen, which means when the first seal is broken, and I showed that in the chart earlier, it starts with the lion king Whoever was the lion with eagle's wings that Daniel saw in his vision will arrive on the scene sometime after the breaking of that first seal. And then at the end, the important key is that is the starting point of the final period of the indignation. Hopefully the graphs made that clear. And remember the setting. In, at the end of Daniel, the angel told Daniel, seal up the vision and prophecy for what was told of him was not from many days from now, even up to the end. But he says, you know, pretty much just go about your way. And you can say that when we get to the revelation, we now have the full revelation of God's word and what was sealed back in Daniel, because we didn't have revelation yet. We didn't have any insight into what, what was also concealed. So you can look at when we, when Daniel closes Concerning the end times and it's concerning the people of Israel is sealed, but when you get to Revelation and now we're breaking the first seal, you can even say that it is starting to be unconcealed. Again, focused on who again? How about those who live in Alaska? How about those who are in the North Pole? How about us here in the United States? When this first seal is broken, the immediate group implicated is the people and the land of Israel. And that's the beginning of the end of the final period of their indignation.
0: Thanks again for joining us at Truth Matters Church today. We deeply appreciate you studying along with us. Be sure to look out for part two and the conclusion of this message as Pastor Alex explores the four horsemen in greater detail, as well as some of the events surrounding the opening of the first seal. We encourage you to check out our website for more biblical teaching, truthmatterschurch.org. Contending for the faith one verse at a time, this is Truth Matters Church.